0: Hi everyone. Hello. I'm Ollie B.
1: I'm Ted Lang.
0: And we are
1: currently not infected with the coronavirus. We
0: are not. Um, but we want to do something fun um, to lift everyone's spirits and hope you, to help you enjoy every day. So we're here in Ohio at our place and a lot of you are our home in your place and You're not going out to events. A lot of events have been canceled. So we thought we'd bring entertainment to you. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is tonight we're just telling you we're doing this. Uh, But starting tomorrow night, we're going to be entertaining you. And this is actually going to go on my YouTube channel. So it's Molly B YouTube channel. You can actually check it out already. There's two videos on there. Well,
1: We'll make sure we put some links up.
0: Yes, we'll put links up. And so you can be watching this.
1: But because we know, like, some of you might almost be in quarantine or close to it, you might be stuck there for a while, so we're going to try to do this every day. Is that every right? day,
0: yeah. So okay. what we're going to commit to you is no later than 10 p.m. each day. That's Eastern time. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. and I might even <laughs> dress up for the occasion next time. What? But I do want to send a shout-out to the guy at uh, A- Yes, yes. yes. Oh, okay. So...
0: Weird. We could just
1: stand here and talk.
0: But we're not going to. We're going to entertain you and say nighty night. people
1: applauding everywhere. And then
0: tomorrow, we're going to have another video. It may not always be us, by the way. Um, yeah. We're going to seek out others. and we Who might, are not infected. And that if, well, yes. And we also might pick up some old. <laughs> oh. All
1: right. So, and if you have a request.
0: You have to let us know. You have
1: to let us know. So, you can email us. Go to MollyB.com or... Um, through the YouTube channel. You can there put you messages go. on there with the mm-hmm. videos. Yes. So um, yeah. let us know what you want to hear, and maybe you'll get lucky and we'll play it.
0: Yeah, okay. So,
1: all right, right. shall we? We shall. We're going to play a song.
0: That you might all know. You
1: probably all
0: yeah. know.
1: you all know. Here we
2: go.
0: Yep.
1: One, two, three, four.
3: Good morning, Labor and Love fans. Welcome to the show. I thought I'd play that last one just because I just found out a few minutes ago that Joe Biden had won the presidential election thanks to his victory in Pennsylvania. I played that version of the Pennsylvania polka. Hope you like it. There was certainly a lot of talk going on before, huh? The song before that was Malombre, goodbye to a Malombre. Mr. Trump, Malombre means bad man, but it's more of a swear word, more of a, a total insult to call somebody that a Malombre. <clears throat> well, the Malombre is no longer our president. Never was, actually. I always wanted to be president of just certain people, and not all of us. And uh, before that, we had Beethoven's Ode to Joy played beautifully on the piano, huh? Ode to Joy, and there is a joy a lot of us can feel and share today—a joy. This man and his cohorts are no longer the rulers of this country, or at least they won't be after January 20th. Okay, let's see. Let's start out with uh, Labor Notes. not Labor Notes. Pardon me. This is the weekend. This is weekend. I believe it's the 7th or the 8th. <coughs> an anniversary of the Second World War. Not the Second World War. The First World War. The one they call the Great War. The one they call the Great War. And what was great about it? What was great about it? 40 million people died Looking here for play some music <laughs>
4: Union organizing during a pandemic. The Labour Start report about union events and singing.
5: About a revolution.
4: This is Radio Labour. The United States has elected the Democratic candidate Joe Biden as president, replacing the incumbent Donald Trump. However, millions, almost half of the electors, voted for Trump even after his four years of racism, misogyny, lying, and fascist tendencies. During the campaign, the country's largest labor federation, the AFL-CIO, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to support Democratic candidates and recruited many unionists to help get out the vote. AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka told his members why the federation supported Joe Biden.
6: Four years ago, after working our hearts out for his opponent, but coming up short, I made a promise to do everything I could to find common ground with Donald Trump. I made that promise in fidelity to the union members who voted for Trump and the working people whose lives and livelihoods depended on him. I was ready to work with Donald Trump. But Donald Trump refused to work with us. He broke his promises on infrastructure and manufacturing. The jobs he said were coming back never came. His tax cut for the ultra-rich accelerated the outsourcing of good-paying American jobs and worsened inequality. And during the COVID-19 crisis, his failed leadership cost too many of us our lives and livelihoods and his disregard for workplace health and safety has been dangerous and very deadly. There are fewer federal health and safety inspectors today than at any point in history. See, working peoples deserve a leader who will focus on we the people and not just the person they see in the mirror. Only former Vice President Joe Biden can be that president. Joe supports the PRO Act, which will create a fairer process for forming a union. Joe supports the HEROES Act to protect our paychecks and pensions and public services during this pandemic. Joe understands America cannot go back to business as usual, back to an economy fueled by inequality and indifference. See, it's time to build back better to create millions of good paying jobs, union jobs, to rebuild our crumbling infrastructure, to ensure the future is made in America and union made, and to finally have a plan to beat COVID-19 and rebuild our economy so it works for all of us. And you know what? Joe knows that workplace safety is more than a policy. It's a promise to our loved ones that we will return home at the end of a hard day's work. Joe Biden gets something Donald Trump never will. Workers will never quit on America. But our president must never quit on workers. Every day, in every way, we've served, we've sacrificed, we've healed, we've done it all. We've honored the country we love the country unions built. We're writing America's comeback story and Joe Biden will help us begin a new chapter.
4: How do you organize workers during a pandemic? That was the question addressed by union organizers in a recent webinar conducted by Education International. EI is the global union for teachers and other education workers. One of the resource people in the webinar was Jane McAlvey a union organizer in the United States. She started her presentation showing a number of slides.
7: What I showed was a picture of 34,000 teachers walking out and a beautiful picture of 34,000 teachers in Los Angeles walking out. And to get there, they had to practice a mechanism called structure tests. And the structure is the school site. And so what's different between organizing and mobilizing is that in mobilizing, which is what most teachers' unions and most unions are doing, whether it's in Europe or around the world, or definitely in the United States. What it mostly means we're doing is we're talking to the teachers who want to talk to us. We're only making an effort. We call a meeting if we're doing a good job, we call a meeting and people show up at a meeting. And it's never a very high percentage of the members who show up at a meeting because who wants to go to an extra meeting? We generally run not very good meetings, and then we rely on who shows up and we blame the people who don't show up right we literally say well we called a meeting and if those teachers didn't show up to the meeting too bad that's actually the opposite of organizing organizing means we wake up in the morning and we have a plan literally to engage every single teacher into every single school every single week and it means we're spending most of our time talking to the teachers who do not come to our meetings, are not in our social media feeds, and do not think they wanna talk to us. That's the difference between a mobilizing approach or an advocacy approach, either one of them, and what we call a deep organizing approach. In the United States, the biggest strikes, which have led to the biggest improvements in standards for students and learning and teacher outcomes, has been the unions that are practicing the organizing approach, by which they make a plan every single week about how to engage every single teacher in every single school. That's what organizing is, and it's very different than the approach that most teacher unions rely on, which is, let's talk to whoever shows up.
4: Another participant in the EI webinar about organizing in the education sector was John Hegarty, an organizer for the National Education Union, the NEU, in the United Kingdom.
8: Where we are in terms of organizing is we're 10 years into a project. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. You know, Our organizing strategy as the National Union has gone on for a long time, and it's involved building rep structures, building training, recruiting activists, over years, but in terms of what we did during COVID, there were some digital tools that we used. We used a lot of Zoom meetings. Uh, At one point, we had 20,000 members on a Zoom call. We used Call Hub as a technology with one of our aims was to phone every single one of our workplace reps. So that's 10,000 reps. We got through to nearly 4,000 and spoke to them. And one of the things that we were asking our reps to do was to meet with members, gather a petition as to people's opposition to wider reopening, and take that to the the school management, which was a structure test. Because one of the things that was happening was reps were then coming back to us and saying, not everybody wants to sign it, what do I do? And we were then using those models uh, that James talked about, we were saying, okay, you're going to have to talk to the people who aren't on our side. We, this is how we do it. This is a structured organising conversation. What you're doing is a structure test. You're going to build power. And the result of that work over the last few months of the crisis is we've recruited 50,000 new members. We've recruited 3,500 new workplace reps. We've trained over 3,500 activists and the union When it came to the the government's demand for wider reopening, we managed to stop 70% of schools opening more widely.
4: Here with his report is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder.
9: Each day, Labour Start's volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world in 36 languages. Here's a small sample of their work. Our top story section included links to coverage of the release of four Belarusian trade union leaders from prison. They had been arrested and held without charge for their work in organizing the general strike against the dictatorship that started last Monday. They attribute the decision to release them to the global solidarity campaign Labor Start ran for them at the request of the Global Union Federation Industrial. Also leading the news this week were the death threats directed at education union activists in Colombia and the reaction of the American labor movement to Trump's threats to not recognize the result of the presidential election there. This week, the emerging trends in our news coverage included union responses to pandemic recovery plans that privilege corporations and the rich over workers. The similarities are remarkable and are a reminder of how governments claimed austerity was the way to respond to the global financial collapse in 2007. Governments in Canada, Malaysia, Australia, Indonesia and elsewhere are rolling out so-called recovery plans that cut taxes for the wealthy and for employers while providing little or no improvements to public services or boosts to employment. Not directly pandemic-related is the disturbing trend towards more surveillance of trade union activists, both in and out of the workplace. The recent revelations about Amazon's surveillance program have generated exposés of a number of similar examples. In a shift from the pre-big data era, all these efforts appear to be run by large employers rather than by states. Look for examples this week coming from Germany, the United States of America, Britain, and from Russia. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found news of migrant domestic workers organizing in South Africa, Singapore, Hong Kong, Lebanon, and Qatar. We also covered the leading role played by Polish trade unionists in the huge protests against that country's ban on reproductive freedom and a new film about the struggle for pay equality in Canada. The Free Health and Safety Newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories about C-19, of course, all of which appear on our special pandemic news pages, but we also covered the recent increase in police murders in South Africa. Our current photo of the week is of a Canadian trade unionist imprisoned while on a visit to Turkey. His union is currently campaigning for his release. Current campaigns that we are running at the request of unions around the world include an urgent appeal for online solidarity with two Colombian unions, one representing mine workers, the other education workers. These campaigns are particularly urgent as Colombia is one of the most dangerous countries in the world for union activists. Look for details of these and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackheader from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor.
4: Now here is the American folk singer Tracy Chapman with...
5: Talking about a revolution, it sounds like a whisper. Don't you know, they're talking about a revolution, it sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines... Crying at the doorsteps of those arms of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know talking about a revolution It sounds yes. Poor people going to rise up Get their share people gonna rise up Take what's theirs Don't you know you better run 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 Oh, I said you better run 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 Talking about a revolution, yes, finally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about a revolution, oh, oh, no. Talking about a revolution, oh, oh, while they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those arms of salvation, wasting time. In the unemployment lines sitting around waiting for a promotion don't you know talking about a revolution sounds
4: and that's it international labor news you can use I'm Mark Balanchet thank you for listening and remember it's all about global solidarity
10: Rebecca, get your basket and let's go down to the woods. Yeah, Rebecca, get your basket and let's go down to the woods. May not pick no berries, but we'll come back feeling.
3: One second, please. We're getting up.
4: It's
10: called. mighty hard road that my poor hand is whole my poor feet has traveled a hot dusty road out of your dust bowl and westward we rolled and your desert was hot and your mountains was cold and prunes Slept on the ground in the light of your moon On the edge of your city you have seen us and then we come with the dust and we go with the wind California and Arizona, I make all your crops And it's north up to Oregon to gather your hops Dig the beets from your ground, cut the grapes from your vine To set on your table your light sparkling wine Green pastures of plenty from dry desert ground From that Grand Coulee Dam where the water runs down Ever stayed in this union, us migrants have been we we'll work in this fight and we'll fight till we win Well, it's always we ramble that river and I All along your green valley I'll work till I die My land I'll defend with my life if it be Cause my pastures of plenty must always be free
3: Okay, that was uh, um, of course the great Woody Guthrie Pastures of Plenty Um, before that we had some good old Bob Dylan rock and roll with Phoebe Snow (coughs) it takes a lot to laugh takes a train to cry in case you didn't know and uh, let's see what we have before that we had Phoebe Snow Talking about revolution. Revolution. Say that word. Okay. Reversing America's decades-long decline in union membership, however, will be a different, difficult task. Just over 10% of workers were represented by workers last year, according to Labor Department data, a share that had been cut in half since 1983. And unless Democrats win the Senate as well as the White House, it will be an uphill battle for Biden- to move any of the legislation union leaders are advocating. He's already named two union presidents, Teresa Romero of the United Farm Workers and Lonnie Stevenson of the IBEW to his transition team's advisory board. Okay. find Francesca. And uh, Mr. Block we've got. He's going to come and visit us. And let's Okay. Looking for a video of, uh, of Biden's victory. Okay. How about uh, Labor in two, huh? labor let's look it up here listen up to some music video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <theater. laughs> Okay, let's turn to our good luck here.
11: Now, I want to go to one other graphic here. The last graphic of the show, because we are certainly getting on. Um, If you... When I show you this, if you start to feel even 1% complacent, uh, I want you to run away from your monitor, center yourself, and then come back, because that is not what I want out of this. But I do want to catch you up with the polling at this point in this race versus this point in decades of presidential elections.
12: talking the talk, and walking into oncoming traffic. And while Newsbroke has always pointed out hypocrisies in American politics, from so-called Christians who defend an adulterous president, to white supremacists who think hating their politics of hatred is the real hate crime, other hypocrisies have been happening at breakneck speed. And this little show just can't keep up with them all. So today, we're going to take a moment and look at a few shining examples of unfettered hypocrisy in a segment we call It's Okay When I Do It. What about war and diplomacy? When President Obama threatened to go to war in Syria, it's pointless. It'll only add to the debt, and by the way, the president needs congressional approval, which Obama did ask for and was never granted, so he didn't go to war in Syria. But when President Trump bombs Syria without congressional approval, it's all good.
13: It's the right response for the moment. This president understands that diplomacy without force behind it is nothing. He demonstrated swift, certain, and decisive leadership.
12: And for North Korea, if Obama wants to meet with Kim Jong-un, it's insane.
14: For our president to speak uh, to their dictator uh, gives Kim Jong-un a legitimacy that he doesn't deserve.
12: But under Trump?
14: So we'll want to test North Korea in this first meeting.
12: Diplomacy with a nuclear foe? It's okay when I do it. Jokes. Remember when that comedian was asked to do a comedy routine and made a comedic remark about the press secretary regarding the lies that she regularly tells?
0: I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like she burns facts and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye.
12: I remember when those jokes got this reaction? Do we really want to be laughing at that? They were cruel, they were rude, they were over the line. It's a complete disgrace that there Mm -hmm. wasn't a single person on the dais that interrupted that woman as filth was coming out of her mouth. Yeah, it's not okay for a comedian to make a joke. Let's leave the jokes to the real professionals. Presidents. Like when Trump tweeted a video of himself beating up a personified CNN logo. You know, I I think it was intended as a tongue-in-cheek, satirical video, um, nothing serious. Uh Uh-huh. Or this joke, claiming Hillary would abolish the Second Amendment.
4: If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. It sounds
12: like just a joke gone bad. But what about this joke about Democrats not applauding him at the State of the Union?
4: Somebody said treasonous. I mean, yeah, I guess why not?
12: The president was clearly joking with his comments. Ha 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 ha! Yeah, making tasteless jokes, it's okay when I do it. Then there's collusion, working with foreign governments and selling influence, something Hillary Clinton and the Clinton
14: Foundation were accused of doing. Influence peddling done through the donations of the Clinton Foundation. Influence peddling on a global scale. Influence peddling on a global scale. Collusion between the Clinton machine, unbelievable collusion. This is exactly. extraordinary,
6: it is collusion. Mm. It is Mm -hmm. suffocating corruption.
12: And yet, two years later, when we know two Trump officials are foreign agents, two pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about involvement with Russia, his son and son-in-law met with a Russian operative, and a personal lawyer accepted money from Russian oligarchs, and on and on and on, look who
7: thinks it's not a big deal.
14: Where's the collusion? Donald Trump did not collude with the Russians.
7: There was no Russian collusion. Donald Trump can't be bought the
11: suggestion is collusion between trump and the russians and there isn't even a crime called
6: collusion
12: collusion it's okay when we do it Identity politics, the most odious of crimes for conservatives, using your identity to influence your political perspective, as Sean Hannity explains.
14: We need to get rid of identity politics. I'm with you. We don't believe in identity politics. I'm not a big believer in identity politics, Jorge.
12: Matter of fact, if I could just call you George, I would feel a lot more comfortable. And yet it just so happens that before giving an opinion, Hannity often likes to remind viewers of his identity.
14: I'm a Christian, I believe in redemption. As a Christian who believes in the Judeo-Christian ethic, I'm a, a Christian Catholic conservative, that's so how I identify <laughs> myself.
12: Oh yeah, it's okay when Hannity plays identity politics cause he's a Christian, the one true valid identity. Identity politics, it's okay when the right identity does it. The deficit, Republicans like Paul Ryan hate it.
14: If we don't get this deficit and debt under control, it really hurts our economy and job creation. And what brings down great empires, past and future, is debt. We want to tell him how serious we are about getting this debt and deficit under control.
12: Paul Ryan hates the deficit so much that he helped add a trillion dollars to it by giving the wealthiest a tax break, and then bragged about it.
14: This is one of the most important things we could do for all of the people we represent.
12: But that makes sense, because as it turns out, Hating the deficit is shorthand for hating the poor. What Republicans actually mean when they say deficit is social programs like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And getting the deficit under control means dismantling those programs, just so that the Koch brothers can get those pretty gold-plated toilet paper holders. They're real pretty. Adding to the deficit, it's okay when the wealthy do it. Marijuana, the drug that has locked up millions, even though the worst thing that's ever happened while high is that you ate an entire box of Lucky Charms and wrote poetry. Former House Speaker John Boehner, who just until recently was the gatekeeper of legislation around legalization, told constituents in 2011 that he was unalterably opposed to legal weed. That is, until he could benefit from it.
7: The fight to loosen marijuana laws has gained an unlikely new ally. Former House Speaker John Boehner The Republican has joined the advisory board of one of the country's largest cannabis corporations.
12: Marijuana. It's okay when I can make money off of it. Of course, it's not just Republicans who are its okay when i do it Take New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, a Trump-resisting pro-women's rights Democrat known for passing anti-assault laws, like New York's 2010 Strangulation Prevention Act. But then this happened.
7: New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman resigning just hours after a bombshell report in The New Yorker with allegations of physical abuse from four women.
13: This is an individual who, in fact, introduced anti-choking legislation. uh, And he was, according to multiple women in this story, choking them.
12: Abusing women. It's okay when an ally does it. Adultery. Your therapist says is a compulsive, self-destructive habit left by the scars of self-loathing and childhood trauma. God says it's a sin. And back in 1998, evangelical Franklin Graham agreed when writing about Bill Clinton's adultery, saying that if he will lie to or mislead his wife and daughter, those with whom he's most intimate, what will prevent him from doing the same to the American public? Yeah, choice words from 1998 Franklin Graham that we should all remember, especially 2018 Franklin Graham when talking about Trump and Stormy Daniels.
8: Stormy Daniels and so forth is nobody's business. And we've got other business at hand that we need to deal
12: with. And why is that? It's cause it's okay when the guy who promised that he'll get rid of Roe v. Wade and let prayer back into school and let bakers discriminate against gay people, does it? After adultery comes abortion. Anti-choice politicians believe that every zygote, no matter how unwanted, is a precious gift from God. That is, unless it's super inconvenient for them.
7: An eight-term congressman, Murphy is a prominent member of the House Pro-Life Caucus, but text messages obtained by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette seem to suggest that Murphy asked his mistress to terminate a pregnancy. God's plan.
12: God's plan. I was pro-life, now I won't. Hey, getting an abortion, it's okay when I do it! Immigrants. The party of family values sure likes to rip immigrant families apart. One way they do that has been by taking aim at what they call chain migration, which helps immigrants bring their parents to the US, something Trump is out to kill.
4: Chain migration is a total disaster which threatens our security and our economy and provides a gateway for terrorism.
12: Yes, because we've all heard the horror stories about the sleeper cells of ISIS abuelos. They're called siesta cells. And remind me, how did Melania Trump's Slovenian parents become green card holders again?
14: It's really likely that Melania sponsored her parents, which she can do under, wait for it, America's family reunification policy, or as Trump likes to call it, chain migration.
12: And that's because it's okay when my family does it, they're white. Obstructionist, which, if you ask Republicans, is exactly what congressional Democrats are. If only Trump were allowed to do his job, he could fully dismantle democracy instead of only partially. But Republicans like Mitch McConnell say Democrats are standing in the way.
9: Due to this unprecedented level of obstruction that we've been experiencing, uh, we're getting zero cooperation.
12: You know, that one's real rich, because obstructionism was basically the first tenet of the GOP during the Obama years.
10: One of my proudest moments is when I looked at Barack Obama in the eye and I said, Mr. President, you will not fill this Supreme Court vacancy.
12: And he didn't. The GOP held up the appointment of Merrick Garland for almost a year, 293 days, the longest a Supreme Court appointment had ever been held up. Just like they held up hundreds of other federal judge appointments made by Obama. But now that Trump is in office, they're confirming judges at a record pace. And that's cause it's okay when ancient turtles do it. And finally, capitalism. Whenever a purportedly socialist country like Venezuela is going through crisis, conservatives never miss the opportunity to warn Americans of the red disaster. Take a look at this
15: exclusive video obtained by Fox Business showing people digging through garbage, desperately searching for food. These people are starving. These are the consequences of a
12: poor economic system. Okay, but when people are struggling and dying in hyper-capitalist America, that's just the way capitalism be, baby. Sure, 44 million Americans live in poverty and this kind of income inequality hasn't been seen since 1905 and household debt is at an all-time high, you've got the iPhone X with the latest feature red. Digging through garbage? It's okay when capitalism made you do it. It's okay when I do it is a pitiful reality of our super-partisan political climate, now being made worse by a guy who demands total loyalty, which is making America look more and more like a banana republic. Also because of the khakis. Just way too much khaki. Because the reality is, it's not okay when you do it. It's often not okay when anyone does it. Let's all do better. Thanks once again for watching Newsbroke, and I have unfortunately some bad news, which is that this is the last month of Newsbroke. Yes, we only have three more videos left. I am moving on, the team is moving on, AJ Plus continues on. So stay tuned, because I might make a reappearance. But for now, I just want to thank all of you for watching, for subscribing, for being such awesome participants and audience members, and for making this entire experiment worth it. We've done some great stories. We've had so many laughs. We've done great sketches. I'm so sad to let this go, but follow me on Twitter (laughs) at Franny Fio to get updates, Uh, because this is not the end of me or us, right? Right.
3: Right. (laughs) Okay, the hypocrisies of the Trump presidency a meaty subject a lot a lot to uh, wrap around your head (coughs) Um, Francesca Fiorentini that was two years ago she did that by the way Um, and she has since returned Newsbroke has since returned how about some labor history a feature of this show that we bring to you every week. Start with the Everett Massacre. Here we go.
11: I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history... The year was 1916. That was the day when what came to be known as the Everett Massacre took place in Washington State. The Everett Shingle Workers Union had gone out on strike in May. Organizers from the Industrial Workers of the World came to the area to support the strike and to make a stand for free speech. Over the summer, tensions began to mount. The police began to arrest IWW speechmakers. Then, in August, violence erupted between strikebreakers and picketers at the Jameson Mill. The IWW decided to bring in a group of about 300 members for a free speech rally. They came from Seattle by two steamer boats. But the first boat was met at the docks by the sheriff and a large group of armed deputies. A gun battle broke out. One passenger, Ernest Nordstrom, told the harrowing tale of what happened to the Seattle Union record saying, quote, I couldn't swear where the first shot came from, but as it comes to me, I thought the first shot was a warning shot not to go ashore. After that, there were shots, gee whiz, all kinds of shots. And when they commenced, all ran to the other side and the boat began to tip. The passengers avoided capsizing the boat and turned around to flee back to Seattle. At least five IWW members on board were killed, along with two of the deputies. After the violence, the Shingle Workers Union called off their strike. 74 IWW members were arrested, but only one stood trial. None were convicted. Ernest Nordstrom followed up with, I'm sure there is no excuse for this whatsoever. There need have been no bloodshed. For more information, go to LaborHistoryIn2.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Labor history in 2 I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History In Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1879. That was the day that Will Rogers was born in Oolaga, Indian Territory, in what later became Oklahoma. Rogers grew up on a ranch and by 10th grade had dropped out of school to be a cowboy. Skilled with a lasso, he became a cowboy entertainer first in vaudeville, then in silent film. Rogers also had a syndicated column and a radio show where he became a popular political commentator. quick wit and humor, Rogers helped to shape public opinion. He brought humor to serious issues in a way later echoed by the likes of Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert. Rogers often talked about the plight of the American worker. In 1931, he was asked to give a radio address for President Herbert Hoover's organization on unemployment. Rogers expressed the urgency of the unemployment that was sweeping the nation during the Great Depression. He said, quote, the only problem confronts this country today is at least seven
3: million people are out of work. That's our only problem. There is no There there is no other one before at all. It's to see that every man that uh, wants to able to work is allowed to find a place to to go to work and also to arrange some way of getting a more equal distribution of the of the wealth in country. Now uh, the Prohibition, we hear a lot about that.
2: Well, that, that. That's
3: nothing to compare to your neighbor's children that, that are hungry. Here we are in a country with, with more wheat and more corn and more money in the bank and more cotton, more everything in the world. There's not a product
4: that you can name that we haven't got more of it than any country ever had in, in the face of the earth. And yet we've got people starving.
11: this day in labor history. The year was 1979. That was the day that became known as the Greensboro Massacre. Members of the Ku Klux Klan and the American Nazi Party shot and killed five participants in a demonstration held by the Workers' Viewpoint Organization, later called the Communist Workers' Party. Workers' Viewpoint organizers had come to Greensboro in an effort to strengthen the unions at the Cone Mills textile plants. At the time, Cone Mills was the largest producer, of denim in the world. African-American mill workers faced discrimination and dangerous conditions, including breathing in textile dust that was known to potentially cause brown lung disease. Tensions between the communist organizers and the Ku Klux Klan began to mount. Disagreements also arose between the communists and other union organizing efforts in Greensboro. The Workers' Viewpoint Group decided to hold a Smash the Klan demonstration. They coordinated the route of the march with the local police. But on that fateful day, no police were there to provide protection. In broad daylight, cars filled with Klansmen and Nazi members drove up and opened fire on the demonstrators. Five people fell dead. A criminal trial was held in 1980 and a federal civil rights trial took place in 1984. Both times, the defendants were acquitted by all white juries. In 2004, Greensboro began a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to address their community history. The second chapter of the final report recounts how Milano Cottle, the Nazi who owned one of the vehicles driven that day, later bragged in an interview that the Klan destroyed the damn Union with its actions against the marchers after the tragedy there was a strong backlash in the press against the communist organizers like what you hear check out more at labor 2com of three
3: three labor history one one of course was Will Rogers talking about uh, what a shame it was that America had children starving and the Everett Washington Massacre and the Greensboro Massacre, where right-wing forces opened fire on workers' organizations and got away with it, 1916 and 1979. All right. Does the Creator have a master plan? Of course the Creator does.
16: circuit city fired 3400 employees in stores across the country yesterday saying they were making too much money and would be replaced by new hires willing to work for less the company said the dismissals had nothing to do with performance but were part of a larger effort to improve the bottom line
17: why don't you work like
16: other folks do how the
17: hell can i work when there's no work to do, hallelujah, get a job, hallelujah, work again, hallelujah, give us a handout to survive until then, hallelujah, I'm a bum, hallelujah, so bum again,
16: Ohio lost more than 209,000 non-farm jobs in the last seven years. This is the largest decline in employment since the end of the Great Depression.
17: And why don't you save all the money you earn? If I just did not eat, I'd have money to burn. Hallelujah, feed my kids. Hallelujah, broke again.
16: Hallelujah, give us a handout just to last until then. $11.7 billion. Had the minimum wage risen as fast as CEO compensation since 1990, it would now be at over $23 an hour. And the average production worker, now making just over $27,000, would be making $110,000 a year.
17: Oh, I love my boss. He's a good friend of mine. That's why I am starving out on this bread line. Hallelujah, get a job. Hallelujah, laid off again. Hallelujah, won't see a paycheck until God knows when. Hallelujah, I'm a
16: bum. Morgan Stanley Stanley on Friday said Chief Executive John received compensation valued at about $1.5 million in fiscal 2007, a year when the investment bank's profits plunged 57%.
17: Now if ever I'm paid all the money I earn, my boss would go broke and to work he must turn hallelujah come the day hallelujah bum no more in the meantime give us a handout to revive and restore hallelujah i'm a bum hallelujah bum again hallelujah give us a handout to revive us again Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I'm a bum Hallelujah, bum again In the meantime, give us a handout To revive us In the meantime, give us a handout To revive us Again
3: And it's true, the Creator has a master plan. <clears throat> Peace and happiness for everyone.
5: Ahua! <laughs> Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. Yo soy un hombre sincero, de donde crece la palma. Yo soy un hombre sincero, de donde crece la palma. Y antes de morir me quiero, echar mis versos del alma. Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. Mi verso es de un verde claro y de un carmín encendido. Mi verso es de un verde claro Y de un carmín encendido Mi verso es de un cierre herido Que busca en el monte empado Guantanamera Guajira, Guantanamera Guantanamera sincere man from the land of the palm trees, but before dying I wish to pour forth the poems of my soul. My verses are soft, soft green, but also a flaming red. My verses are like wounded fawns seeking refuge in the forest. I want to share my fate with the world's humble. A little mountain stream pleases me more, more than the ocean.
3: Lopez to finish up that <clears throat> finish up that set. Let's take a look now at Mr. Block. <clears throat> Mr. Block is a creation of a cartoonist, an IWW cartoonist named Ernst Rebe. like we're going to get a phone call. Okay, Ernst Riebe, if it wasn't for Mr. Blocks like you, the guy's telling him, there would be no unemployment and you wouldn't have to hunt for a job. Okay, here's our call. Hello? Hello? Hi, Yaman. How you doing? Long time no talk. Good morning, Vita. Are you ready? Okay. So uh what did you think of the uh, election? expect to happen and he's got a Supreme Court that might rule in his favor. got the Constitution. I don't think I don't see how he could take a case to the Supreme Court. I walked to work, uh, to the station this morning, everybody was whooping and hollering because they had, they had just heard the uh, announcement. I think one thing they're going to do is get uh, the state legislator. And the Constitution says the state legislatures will choose the electors. So a lot of the state legislators in those states are, it's a, they're red states, they're Republican states. True, and the way they hustled it through. Huh? No, no, they choose to it. That's right. Let the people choose. the show here. Thank you for calling up. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. Love you, too. Okay, that was our, our uh, campus correspondent. I don't know if you heard it. They seem to think that President Trump has got something up his sleeve. Anyway, back to Mr. Block. There's a union guy talking to Block. He says, if it wasn't for blocks like you, there would be no unemployment. And you wouldn't have to hunt for a job. Don't start talking again about that IWW. I don't believe in it. Every man should have a right to work. Millions of men are condemned to idleness and women and children are ground down with overwork. Goodbye, I'm going over to the factory advertising for help. Help wanted. says and he says, "Oh, that looks good to me. I will put up a serious front to the boss so I can be able to work. If he feels this muscle, he'll I'll land the job. And the boss is sitting there saying, We need boys and girls. If you got children, bring them along. Voice of American capitalism, huh? We need boys and girls. Here's, here's, he's got a, he's got an AFL sign now. This cement workers union card cost me $75. I had to borrow the money from my relatives, but it's worth it. The union promised me long ago, I am going to work now. One more. Stung again men, didn't you know that capitalist papers are printing blind ads in order to get the last penny from the unemployed? Here's a paper that'll put you wise to the game. IWW paper. Some knocker told me that a poor man doesn't have a chance in the courts against the rich. It's a lie. There is justice before the law under the American flag and $100 damages. My fee is 95 That leaves you, Mr. Block, $5. So Block constantly believes the lies that he's told in the capitalist press and he turns his back on the IWW, which he figures is too radical for him, and he always gets burned. Poor guy. And this is the bee getting ready to sign off, telling you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, a negotiating table that is where you work, you're on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Of course, they don't want you to have a union. Of course, they don't want you to cooperate. Your work makes them rich. It's the great Paul.
18: From shall your lands on the dark. Light the wondrous tale of nations With your people's golden name Tell your father's noble story Raise on high your country's sign Join then in the final glory lift your flag with
2: mine.
18: Hail the sun of peace new rising, hold the war clouds closer. Fed. Lend our banners O my Brothers In the rainbow Of the world Red As blood and Blue as heaven Wise as age And proud as Youth Melt banner Wonder Woven The one great light of truth. Build the road of peace before. the slow and check the eager help the weak and the strong none shall push aside another none shall let another fall march beside
19: through a sea of podcasts are ye on a raft without a pattern we well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm from there you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures
20: and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com.
19: Billy Bob, you ever wanna be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever wanna be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit!
16: From time to time,
18: I've <laughs> given it a thought of two.
19: You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples
3: So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday
18: from six to eight?
19: That's what I'm saying. It's the joke workshop Mondays, six to eight p.m. at the Mutant Radius.
20: Yahoo! Hey, you, poetry reader. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay.
13: them live, download a podcast, have some fun! That song is called Acid and Fapping.
20: What is flat black plastic? What could it be? It's exactly what you think it is. Flat black plastic vinyl records round played mixed. All for you, every Saturday, from noon to two, by Scott Huwaku, amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. This flat black plastic vinyl Records. Round. Played. Mixed. All for you every Saturday. From noon to two. By Scott Who. Amazing artist. Black plastic. What could it be? It's exactly what you think it is. Flat. Black. Plastic. Vinyl, records, round, played, mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scottu Amazing artist.